Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for a conversation with Michael Lerner and friends titled Bringing Deep Healing Work Online. So it's really fascinating to see how this um, experiment grows. Um, this is about bringing deep healing work online. And we are far from the only people trying to figure this out. In fact, people all over the world are trying to figure out how to be together in loving, connected, wise ways. Um, and when we think about uh, the last six months, um, uh, we had, and less than that, but uh, we had uh, the emergence of the COVID virus. We had the enormous economic crash, which, by the way, is very likely to cause more suffering and starvation and uh, deep despair than the virus itself as it spreads around the world with hundreds of millions of people with no way to um, make a living or feed themselves and their families. We had uh, George uh, Floyd's murder and the rise uh, in, of Black Lives Matter and the whole movement that has gone global and that is addressing systemic racism and discrimination all over the world. In the background, climate change continues. Uh, we are within five months of an election that uh, will almost certainly be disrupted and contested, uh, con contested. And we don't know what will come next on top of that. So uh, this is a time uh, when healing circles work, whether done by us or done by others, it really doesn't matter. But high quality healing circles work. Uh, and bringing healing circles work online is profoundly important. It's profoundly important because of all the suffering that's going on. Um, and, uh, you know, historically, this is the biggest shift in uh, U.S. history since at least 1968, which was the last time something even vaguely of this magnitude happened. But many people say it goes far earlier than 68. So it may be uh, the last Great Depression and World War II may be the only uh, real historical analogy. Um, and I was born right at the end of World War II in the ending days of World War II. So most of you on this call uh, have no firsthand experience of that. So, this is a conversation, this is an experiment. We haven't had this many uh, panelists on together. And so if the technology uh, hiccups at any point, just remember that the circle is unbroken by technological glitches. The circle is unbroken by technological glitches. Uh, and again, please use the chat function, send your chat to everybody so we can all read. And feel free to bring your thoughts, comments, questions, whatever else. So I'll turn now to just a brief history of how this work looks for us. Commonweal is 44 years old. I co-founded it with a few friends 44 years ago. We've been doing the Cancer Help Program 
out here for 35 years and uninterruptedly until COVID hit. Uh, then uh, about, mm, I'm gonna guess five years ago, it may be a little different. We started healing circles with our whole community of healing circles, global friends. And uh, we've also developed uh, center experiences at Healing Circles Langley, Healing Circles Houston, Smith Center, Commonweal, Callanish, Harmony Hill, uh, and other centers in our community. And now all these centers and many others are exploring how to bring deep healing online. So what does that mean? So I would suggest that we distinguish between drop-in circles Circles teaching a specific practice like Qigong or art. Circles for a specific condition like grief, loss of a spouse, caretakers, cancer, or something else. Circles embedded in a specific community. That's very important. Like the Cancer Help Program community, or one of the Healing Circles communities, or Healing Circles Global as a community, or extraordinary other places. I will point to an amazing place run by a friend of mine, called service space. And I think anybody can join it, but Nipun Mehta, who is kind of a reincarnation of the Buddha at some level, started it. And our friend and colleague Kozo Hattori is very involved. Our friend and colleague Cynthia Lee is more and more involved. And they have an online community. And I want to underscore that online communities can, under the right circumstances, add a great deal to, uh, uh, to circle work. And then there are circles designed for an organization or a community. So Susanna Fest uh, from Healing Circles Langley joined me in designing a circle for an activist group in Appalachia called Frack Tracker, which tracks fracking uh, across the country. And she had an amazing experience bringing healing circle methods into their culture, having helping them redesign it for their work. And it has had a tremendous effect on the culture of the whole organization. Uh, finally, I want to talk briefly about how differently different age and cultural groups use technology. So older people, of which I am certainly one, who use email and are just getting accustomed to Zoom are a substantial part of those who sign on with us, a lot of us are older. Then a second group is people who are part of a committed online community like service space. And we are exploring online community for the cancer help program and for other cancer programs or healing programs in the Commonweal healing and cancer ecosystem. The third group is younger people whose use of tech and relational connections are different for each age group. So, you know, people in their 40s uh, or 50s are different from me. Uh, people in their 30s are different from the 40s and 20s and 15. And so with the rapid changes in technology, each group has a different relationship to each other and to technology. And so it's very hard for us to generalize about what technologies will be useful in general because it depends so much on different ages and different cultural groups. And finally, there are the people who don't use any of these technologies and who, if they're gonna do anything, would join a uh, telephone circle group. And it's very important to include them 
because uh, they may be some of those who need these kinds of support the most. So that's just a kind of a, an opening. I'm so delighted Dimple is here from uh, India. And um, I'm going to, uh, uh, Oren is here, uh, but needs to leave. Um, Kira or Sophie, if it's possible to pull Dimple up and have us her join us on the panel, that would be lovely if you can work that out. But just let us know, otherwise we'll follow her online here. So with that, I want to um, turn um, to Lisa Sims Booth, who is the new executive director of our center, Smith Center for Healing and the Arts, which I co-founded with Barbara Smith Coleman about 23 years ago or so. Lisa came into her job six months ago and the world changed. So uh, Lisa, tell us what you've been doing at Smith Center to bring your healing work online. Well, Michael, thank you for allowing me and Kirsten, you'll hear my, from her in, in a bit. Thank you for letting us join today. Wow, you know, it's been a whirlwind. I, you know, a new job, you're always sort of drinking from the fire hose. And so I had been drinking from that fire hose. Right. Um, and the fire hose was just starting to ease up. And then all of a sudden, here comes COVID-19. And so all of a sudden we had to close our center and it was a, you know, a painful sort of decision for us because we were thinking that perhaps people would sort of take care of themselves and we could stay open for a little longer, but we had, and um, Kirsten you know, knows the story well, we had a patient, uh, we had a, one of our loyal participants come in after she'd been in the hospital for several days and she just wanted to come to yoga. Like she just wanted to do something that's, that was her favorite part of the day. And she came into the center and, um, and after she left, we all thought we have to close only for everyone's sake so they don't put themselves at risk. And so that had us shift everything to bring in all of our programming, um, you know, virtual, um, not just the healing circles, but everything. And so um, I give such kudos to Kirsten and Carla who are on our program team for really taking all of our in-person work that we were doing and moving it to the virtual realm. I mean, it's been a tremendous amount of work. Um, and, and, you know, and you know, Michael, you've been this, to Smith Center and uh, me and just in my short tenure, but there's something so special about the center itself and being in that space. And I'm sure it's the same thing at Commonweal and other locations where there's just such a special spirit and energy there that people come and want to be there. And that's really what that, you know, um, that woman, she really wanted that, that particular time. And so, so what we're learning and what we're trying to do is how do we take that spirit? How do we take that energy and still transform it? And so you still feel it virtually. And, and that's, I think what we're, you know, we're all talking about. And, um, and I think Kirsten can speak um, as our program lead much closer to how it's actually happening, but we are finding that there are ways to still instill that same spirit of community and connection across screens, even if everybody is in these little boxes, um, as it were. So it's, um, I, I know it's a tremendous, we, we take tremendous thought in how we're doing this, but the need for that community and connection is so vital, even more so now, and particularly for our community, because we know COVID is going to be with us for a little while and not just a little while, it's going to be with us. And so we're going to have to reach people, you know, um, virtually um, for, for as long as we need to 
Um, and so this is such an important work. I'm so glad you brought this conversation together because I think it's going to mean all of us working together and sharing what we're learning um, for, this, for this to really come together well. Lisa, thank you so much. And thank you for your leadership. And uh, we look forward to working closely with you and Kirsten and the rest of your team as we all learn. And so Kirsten, a dear friend of many years, been involved with us for a long time. Uh, tell us what you're learning from the circle work you're doing. Huh? Let me start with this. How many, circle, how many online circles do you have right now? Thank you, Michael. And it's so nice to see old friends and new friends. I'm really happy to be here. Um, like Lisa said, we have all of our programming plus additional programming we've added since COVID has happened and we've recognized new needs. Um, the programs that we specifically call Healing Circles, we have seven going right now virtually. Um, but like you said earlier, um, you brought up a category of teaching art or coming together to do yoga. Um, we also have cancer support groups and caregiver groups. So if you're talking Healing Circles, seven, and otherwise we have about 60 programs a month that we have virtually online. Six zero. Uh, Six zero, yeah. Wow, that's that's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> and so, what what are you learning? What are you learning from doing it that works best? And what are you learning that is is harder or does not draw as much energy? Yeah, I think what works best is to not forgo the rituals that you have in person virtually it's it's easy to say like well you can't light a candle or can you you know and Kathleen just saying when we had our moment of silence I'm lighting a candle right now that's like a level of comfort and regularity and ritual um so I think that's really important starting with the moment of silence bringing people in with a poem all those things I think if you can um keep those things going virtually that's really helpful um, you mentioned the people who come on, on telephone. I would say that is probably our biggest challenge, um, because it's really easy for them to kind of disappear and not be heard. And, um, as the person that's sort of hosting the circle or the group, I think it's really important to pay special attention to someone who's on the telephone and bring them in as much as you can. Um, other like highlights that have been really great is um, the commitment. You know, all of you guys experience healing circles and there's a certain commitment within a group and that commitment still stands um, with the groups that I'm seeing. Um, the ones that used to come together in-house and now they're they're coming virtually. That's been really beautiful. We're also able to expand to a larger larger audience. So people who had come to Smith Center, who moved out of town are rejoining us. Um, people who couldn't make it to the center for whatever reason, fatigue, you know, transportation, any of those things, um, we're seeing an up uplift in attendance with those sort of populations and um yeah it's been a gift it's really what, what percent in in your programs what percent of the people stay with it like do they meet weekly is that what they tend to do 
So some of our healing circles used to meet on site just once a month. Yeah. And since we've gone virtual, we've expanded many of them to meet twice a month. Okay. And that's been really well received. Um, and then other circles that we come together in um, our recurring programs, like our yoga and our art and all that, that's more regular. That's either on a weekly or a biweekly basis. And do people drop in or do people tend to stick with it? I would say for the most part, people tend to stick with it. Yeah. Um, and I'm finding the same thing has occurred virtually as does when you're at the center, where once you bring somebody in yeah. and you allow for space and time and authenticity and you're holding them and supporting them, they don't want to go. <laughs> they, yeah. In fact, when we try to hang up, when we try to close off Zoom, like I hear over and over again, I'm not going. Like <laughs> I'm not saying bye yet, you know. <laughs> so that happens a lot, um, which I love, you know. So yeah, it's been really great. Wonderful, thank you. So I want to go. Uh, oh, look, there's Dimple. She just <laughs> said hello. Welcome, Dimple. We'll get to you in a bit here. Uh, I want to. Uh, go to uh, Helen Spa, who is in Houston and has been doing just beautiful work in Houston. Helen, tell us about what has happened for you, uh, what you've brought online, what you're learning about it. Um, well, we've, I've continued some of the circles that we've already had. Um, I lead circles through a church in Houston and we lead circles in the community. So I've had to let go of some really, um, really important ones to me, which were um, going into people's apartments um, who are in here without documentation. And so we had to let go of those circles. Um, but some of them have been able to con continue. So we have, um, we've been having one for the, at, through the Center for the Healing of Racism. And um, because of the everything going on, it went from, you know, we have around maybe a total of 10 people every day, every month for a year. And then with this last email we sent out, um, there were 25 within one day signed up. So um, I'm not sure we, we might need to add more or do something different there. So we'll our next one will be bigger than usual and I'll change the mm -hmm. format a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, we have, um, I've, the first one we started online was one for social distancing support. And um, that originally was every week in the beginning. And that for some reason is my most high needs group. So um, people who are usually isolated anyways seem to be the ones who find that group and um, are just feeling a lot of mental health stress. Um, so, um, and we are, we also have a small, very um, close-knit single mom circle, which is meeting online in the evenings. And I feel like um, that will continue forever, it feels like, in the evenings online because it is just easier for our, our lifestyles um, to have a place to, um, you know, not have to bring children with us or figure out childcare. So, um, some and, of and it, you, you speak as a single mom with two beautiful children. So 
This is something you know by heart. Yes. Yes. Um, I appreciate that group a lot. Yeah. That one's weekly. Um, And then we have, um, we're starting one for healthcare workers in our community. Um, We're going to be starting that um, just once a month. We're going to see how that goes. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Helen. I want to go to Susanna Fast, who uh, is uh, very central to our Healing Circles Global and Healing Circles Langley community. And as I mentioned, just did an amazing piece of work with us uh, with a uh, activist group called Frack Tracker in Appalachia, uh, really helped them uh, improve their culture. So Susanna, what, what are you learning in your various roles with Healing Circles Langley and Healing Circles Global about what really works in bringing deep healing work online? You need to um, unmute yourself. Yeah, thank hey. you, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm finding that many of the things that are healing in non-virtual circles are healing in virtual circles as well. So there are the people skills that we all bring to this. There's the attention that we pay to each other's cues. There is the presence. Uh, there's the, the, the empathy, the attunement, the compassion, all those kinds of things that, um, that we know about from relating to people. And so it's interesting when you were talking about the different generations and how they engage healing work differently. When I was working with the frag trackers, they, I was working with women, young women in their 20s and 30s, and they were such digital naturals. And so I have never met them before in, in person, but the ability to connect with them online was really lovely because they were thoughtful and reflective. And um, so we could build a relationship in similar ways that we would have built that relationship otherwise. And then to bring healing circles into their organizational context was very much about trying to understand what their particular culture was about. I find cultural work very, very important paying attention to the language that they use, um, to the values that they they hold dear, and then docking on there and building the relationship from there. And you 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 come from an uh, what is it, an organizational development background? Is that do I have that right? Yeah. I I was yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And at the same time, I was teaching in an individualized master's program, mm-hmm. which meant that students came to us and had an idea about what they wanted to study, but then we mentored them in the development of their own curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so it was really unique and based on their own vision. So my role was to, to draw them out and to understand them. And what have you learned from, sorry, what have you, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but what what have you learned from the Healing Circles Langley move online? I mean, here, Healing Circles Langley, for those of you who don't know, based on, on uh, Whidbey Island, north of Seattle, was our flagship center and has been just a completely stunning success. 
Diana and Kelly Lindsay started it uh, with me and others and Susanna and others. And it was unbelievably successful. And then COVID hit. So what have you learned from the online movement at Healing Circles Langley? So this is interesting because our population is a very different generation. Right. But what was so meaning people mostly 50 upward? And what was so stunning was that there was such an amazing level of self-organization that happened. So before we even as a center could build the infrastructure, different um, people emerged as leaders who took their circles online. For example, there's one, there's one long-standing circle um, headed by, hosted by Charles and Lynn, and they have been meeting for four years. And that's a large circle of between 15 and 25 people. And so they pretty quickly after COVID happened, moved online and they keep meeting on a weekly basis like that. So that was an established circle that went online without much difficulty. And the same thing happened for a number of different circles. Um, the poetry apothecary circle, which, um, which uses poetry as a way to, to deal with trauma and difficulty, also self-organized and, and went online. So that took very, very little leadership on our part so that Diana and I really have been able to focus a lot of attention on the development of Healing Circles Global. Yeah. And uh, what are you learning from the Healing Circles Global experiment? Maybe you can talk a little about that. Yeah. It's amazing how people seem to find us. So the first, we developed a training for, for hosts and guardians. And the first training went online shortly after COVID hit. And there were 25 or so uh, trainees who had signed up from our communities already, but also elsewhere. And then the next training had over 60 signups. And there were people from all over the world, and we don't know how they found us, but they did. And the feedback has been generally quite positive. So uh, then there was another weekend training, one weekend training, and now we're in, in, the, in number four and are planning for um, five and six. So there is some magic, maybe, in opening up these spaces and finding that we're found. Yeah, wonderful. I want to go to Dimple because it's late at night or something, her time. And Dimple, uh, welcome. It's so great to have you. Uh, you have so much to say, so I may have to help you limit the time and space we can give you today. But uh, tell us what you are learning from your amazing experience with Healing Circles in India. Yes, thank you so much, Michael. I'm very uh, fortunate and pleasure to be here with all of you and uh, seeing all of you again. My experience has been uh, very good, especially last two, three months, I would say, after the COVID situation. So we are now able to connect to more people virtually, people who never used online before, even they are joining circles. 
even my parents uh, my mom uh, who never used online circles or not really fond of digital things she is joining circles so um, uh, this has been a new change for people as well and those uh, participants who were there they uh, they felt good being in this circle that now more and more people are joining so last healing circle we had over 50 participants now i'm just thinking that how do we really hold the space where you have more than 10 or 15 or now more than 50 participants though uh, though on an average we have around 30 participants so um, we have changed the style a bit uh during the covid situation so what we do uh, a very maybe a motivational speaker who has gone through the cancer journey we invite them uh and then i have a me and a co-host we have the conversation with them for initially half an hour so that uh, uh, you know people are uh, motivated and then they're also um, because so many people here feel shy to share in the circle so initially we want to create a space as a family as you know that known people that we are here to hold this space for you and then last one hour we keep it open for everybody to interact and then share what they want to ask us so and or maybe what they want to share their experience so what we see that this kind of pattern uh, more and more people are getting involved in this and they also like this because they are getting motivated with the with the person who has been either a cancer conqueror or cancer caregiver or maybe a healthcare professional who is working with a cancer patient like this sunday uh, day after tomorrow we are having dr darshana who is a healer uh, trained by louis hay and a celebrity gynecologist also working with cancer patients healing from last 20 years she is coming this sunday talking about emotional detoxification for cancer patients You're listening to a TNS conversation with Michael Lerner and friends. So, uh, so this is the kind of um, model we are experimenting with. That initially half an hour I do the conversation, and then later one hour everybody joins it. So I would say really exciting for uh, uh, to do these experiments and see. We take continuous feedback as well, like how it is evolving for other people. Uh, yeah, so it's a bit different in India, I would say, just because more people are there to listen than to speak. Also, eighty uh, percent people. keep their video in uh, off mode so you can't really see them and if you ask them to switch on they sometimes leave the meeting because they are not just not just comfortable with it so um, just to change this uh, last time i also told them that you know i know that like my sister she wants she is going through a tough phase and she wants to join the circle but in the evening uh, 6 pm when we do the circles uh, it's difficult for her because she has a child and she has to cook dinner so i told participants that um, if you are busy but you still want to be a part of the circle it's okay you can simply come and join in because even the just listening to other people is also healing so why to stop those people who have some other engagements but they want to be a part of it so i'm not sure if i'm breaking the rule of healing circle here but i just thought that i would yeah, keep the wonderful yeah. well thank you so much and please tell people the name of your organization maybe you could type it into the uh, message thing and with its website so that uh, yeah. people can follow your work and dimple has been doing just extraordinary work in india and we're so glad you're on with us thank you so thank um, you i'd i'd like to go to uh, julie portelli who has uh, been very active in uh 
the Cancer Health Program community in starting Healing Circles and the Healing Circles leadership training, and now in the Commonweal Healing Circles groups. Julie, what are you learning about uh, bringing deep healing work online? Good morning. Thank you, Michael. Uh, in my experience with the on, bringing the uh, online circles for people uh, who have been through the Cancer Help Program or been to the, some of the Commonweal programs, uh, I, I know what's nice is they have a background in Commonweal uh, circles, and that, is not, that was helpful to bring it online. Uh, I'm finding, you know, especially because we brought them online with, with COVID, that they, we had uh, many, many, uh, a lot of participants in the very beginning. It's dwindled some, yeah. but everybody was so grateful to be there. Um, I haven't been on a circle with a telephone, with somebody with a phone. Um, so it's really nice to have them uh, present there, you know, their um, video on. And it, it's, people go deep. We have tried to create the, the best atmosphere with the candle and with the rituals, bringing that online. And um, it's been a very positive experience and people are returning in week 12. That's just wonderful. And do, your, um, do the leaders get together and talk about how it's going? Yes, we get together a uh, circle of hosts every other week. Mm -hmm. And the the co-hosts of each individual circle usually get together before each circle. They connect with each other, so they set their intention for each circle. Most of them debrief afterwards, after all the participants have ended their call. And I think that communication is um, very important. Thank you. But, to the success of, you know, the, the circle. So building on that, Julie, thank you so much. I'd like to go to Kathleen Kramer, who uh, played a critical role in starting the Healing Circles leadership training at Commonweal as a long time member of the Cancer Health Program alumni community and has hosted the North Bay, um, or the, what is it called? Not the North Bay, the Sonoma. <clears throat> no, North Bay. Yeah. Commonweal Alumni Circle of Hearts. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, Kathleen, in all your experience with this, what have you learned about bringing deep healing circle work online? Hmm. I've learned that it's very possible and can be very effective. <clears throat> As Julie said, uh, I think to start with, uh, we did, we did have a focused uh, audience of the invitation went out to about 600 people who had been either in the Cancer Health Program in our Healing Circles Leadership Training last year or our Bay Area Young Survivors of Breast Cancer. Every person knew the Commonweal culture and was familiar with our basic agreements, which are kind of the backbone and cornerstone of the practice in a healing circle. And... Um, we actually had not, haven't been doing healing circles at all. The only healing circles we've been doing at Commonwealth really are the Cancer Help Program and our alumni circles around the Bay Area, uh, which met once a month. And uh, when COVID hit, we realized 
that it was time to open, reach out and create circles for the need that obviously had arisen around the whole common milk community. And um, what we did was really transfer our, our format and our, our close intention. The circles are really small, limited to eight participants and two co-hosts. And we're keeping them very small so that uh, I'm seeing Dimple's image right now. It's the host really, our goal is to say as little as possible. Um, but the intention is to have it really de be a deep heart and mind sharing of where people are at in that moment and to uh, create an intimate space where people can really show up, be present and be with what is in their lives and have everyone bear witness to each other, which just has, it's been remarkable. And as uh, someone said, we've had uh, alumni from cancer health programs over the last 30 years join us from all over the globe. One call, we had two people from France who didn't even know each other from two different cities, someone from Scotland, someone from Washington, D.C., and uh, it was just a, a profound experience for people to be together. Mm -hmm. Our groups at this point are drop-in, so people sign up. Um, by First, it was by the week. Now they sign up for every two weeks. Many people are committing to coming every week, and we're, we're having them pre-registered to reserve a space. And that's really seems to be working with a core of maybe four people in a group of eight, and then people that sort of come and go on a weekly basis or a brand new person. And I think the, the, um, the central practices of our, our rituals with the candle, with silence, with bringing in a poem or a, a, a centering quote um, and grounding ourselves both in our own selves and with the agreements, the shared healing circles agreements has really uh, the guiding light of creating that self safe container for everyone. Mm -hmm. So you, it's Catherine. working remarkably well. Thank you so much. Oh. Uh, Rob Ferraro, you have also been deeply involved with um, the Healing Circles leadership training and with the uh, Cancer Health Program alumni um, and have done so much to and with the uh, online Healing Circles. What have you learned from uh, this? What, what stands out for you? I remember <laughs> in one of the Healing Circles leadership trainings, you said something very moving about what you had discovered about this as opposed to what you thought it was all about. I don't know if you want to repeat that, but just curious where, where your learning is deepest. Sure, Michael, thank you. Just to repeat what I said then, was that um, one of the things I learned from watching many different people practice healing circle leadership in our leadership training is that many of the elements that I thought were critical are in fact not critical mm -hmm. and that it really comes down to some of the very most basic things, um, the intentions, the agreements, uh, generous listening, and really the, the deep power of being witnessed, um, both uh, for the person speaking, witnessing themselves, and for the 
other people witnessing the person who's speaking. So that's what I said then, and I, I absolutely still agree with that now. In terms of uh, what we've learned, after 10 years of monthly circles uh, with the, the Hearts Group, the Commonweal Cancer Health Program alumni in person, and after 13 weeks of weekly um, healing circles online, I know two things for sure. The first thing I know for sure is that healing circles online among a community of people who have experience in circles can absolutely definitely achieve the depth, the intimacy and the connection um, that we all crave and are the magic of healing circles. The second thing I know for sure is that as good as it is, it's not as good as face-to-face. There is something lost online. Um, We can talk about what that is and how we deal with it as we go along, but it's it's very clear to me that uh, as good as it is, it's it's not the same. So I won't repeat what uh, some people have already said, except to agree with Kirsten that People on the phone are indeed a problem. And one of the deep pluses, as both Kathleen and Kirsten said, is that we can involve people from across the globe who were so far separated from the mothership that they had given up any hope of connecting. And I know that, speaking only for myself, I will, even after whenever COVID is no longer in the forefront of our minds, be involved with offering circles to people who are distant. So thank you much, Michael. Thank you so much, Rob. Um, And uh, Sophie, I want to see, I know Oren has to sign off at 10, but if Oren is able to join us uh, uh, and also... um, if Jim uh, Quay is able to join us, that would be lovely. Uh, they may not be prepared to do that, but if you can bring, ask them if they can come on, it would be lovely. Um, and while we do that, just on the subject Rob just said of, of what, what is lost and what is gained, it seems to me that there are both, right? Uh, and it's not just the extension of, um, it's not just the extension to people who otherwise couldn't come. Uh, you know, I'll go back to a Sufi idea about love, which is um, that the Sufis said, as you know, that the friend with a small F leads to the friend with a big F, that the, the human friend leads us to the divine. And there's something about the quality of yearning, of yearning that is very, very powerful. So when we see each other face to face, we satisfy that yearning. When we see each other at a distance, uh, we get enough of each other to yearn for each other, but we don't, we don't have the full experience. And so it seems to me that in some ways that the yearning that comes with the incomplete experience Maybe for some people, hey, there, Jim, I'm glad you're on. It may be part of it. I'm not saying that's true for everybody. But um, I know that in my own experience that 
you know, friends that I'd love to see in person, but I'm able to stay connected to, it, uh, it strengthens that yearning. And I know from my own inner work that that yearning is what connects me to the divine. So I just offer that as a thought that maybe part of what goes on is that um, it's precisely because it isn't as good. It's precisely because it leaves us unsatisfied. You know, there's a saying, um, the obstructed brook is the one that sings, the obstructed brook. And it's precisely that sense of not having it all, of, of it being obstructed, that creates the song. So uh, the other thing I'd say, uh, having uh, had uh, uh, Janie, uh, uh, having talked to Janie about this at some length, because uh, Janie uh, Brown from Callanish, she goes down a checklist of what we lose online. So we lose touch, we lose taste, we lose smell, you know, there's a whole series of physical things that we don't have that we, we have when we're cut together. And then she thinks about, well, how can we do that? So I think it was Julie who was saying um, to me in an email that, um, you know, it really helps to do this with a friend that you're close to physically, you know. Uh, you know, in other words, that if you're part of online work, perhaps you can satisfy some of that physical need for closeness with a friend or something. So I just think I'm, I'm kind of carrying on here. Deborah Steele says to us, I agree, Rob, if participants meant originally, met originally in per person, it has an intimacy from the get-go. I lead an art group for women who've experienced domestic violence as an online group only and it's taking longer to create an intimate circle, but slowly it happens. We connect through our art and witnessing one another through the art. Um, so uh, yeah, Kathleen has something she wants to add. Kathleen? Um, yeah. A couple of things. Uh, one is that the intimacy that we had in our in-person groups, uh, maybe there's three, two or three people that have been, or have been in a in-person in cancer circle through Commonweal, they create that space of intimacy that new people enter and are sort of acculturated to more quickly. But another, some of the strategies that I and others have used is to remind people that we are not in the computer, to see beyond the image on the screen and to, and oftentimes to hold our hands up and sort of play with we are really here together and everyone holds their hands up to the to the camera and it it's it's a playful thing to do that um and we visualize reaching out to the sides or holding ourselves and visualize hugging each other and it's it uh it's sometimes somber and it sometimes just um lightens the it introduces a concept that that lightens the the yeah, the, the the distance and connects people. And the other thing that I often do myself, what I've been doing today, is to move from speaker mode to gallery and back and forth. Yeah. So that so that right now, like Michael's face is is enlarged, and so I can see the um, those small facial muscles that indicate what's 
more closely what's going on with the person who's speaking. And that has really helped me uh, feel more connected to people in online, in the online circle. The other most important thing too is to just, is in a circle, is to have take a short break of just supporting everyone and looking away from the computer for a minute to see, look out a window and see living things and the wider world and shift back. So really playing with the, the, the brain body uh, processes happening when we're on the computer and supporting a balancing of that and making it conscious. You know, making Thank that you. conscious with everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. Uh, um, Sophie, can you see if you can bring Cheryl Sessnon onto the uh, screen for us? Um, uh, Jim, uh, as somebody who's been doing the Parker Palmer work uh, with uh, great uh, adeptness for a long time and has been part of our Healing Circles leadership training, what are you discovering? And are the Parker Palmer folks uh, in any way needing to modify uh, how you teach and train? What, what are you discovering about bringing deep healing work online? Oh, thank you, uh, Michael. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I've learned a lot from participating in the uh, Healing Circles program. And one of the things I've learned is that there's a slightly, you mentioned at the beginning of this, there are different functions and different purposes to different kinds of circles. I think the circles of trust that uh, follow the Parker Palmer model are, they, have, they share some of the same purposes, but one different purpose is you're trying to create a space whereby someone can connect with their inner teacher. There's a certain depth that requires um, modes that don't translate easily virtually. One example would be there's a lot of journaling that, that is done. Now you can, you can do that while online, but normally in any of the healing circles I've uh, been part of, that's not been part of the process. It's more the, I'm gonna call it a horizontal connection with everybody. People are speaking from depth. I don't mean to say that it's only merely horizontal, but um, a great part of what's going on in a circle of trust is that, you know, using a prompt, using silence, using ritual to allow someone to connect with a voice they may not be listening to very often or um, don't have access to in the busy world that, that we do. So how that translates, I'm, I'm trying to create a kind of test retreat to see what, what works from a normal retreat and what can be carried online. So I'd say the Parker's community is very much in the learning mode. And in that way, we're, I think we're behind where your program is in terms of experimentation and getting things out in the world. So I've, mm. I've learned a lot. I believe that uh, Susanna can speak to this, but Susanna, don't you, some of the uh, programs that uh, Healing Circles Langley or Healing Circles Global are doing, don't you have kind of journaling type? I know with Judith Adams, who's on, you have the poetry apothecary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. 
We, interestingly also, Diana has used journaling prompts as personal harvesting for during the online training programs for the host and guardians. So not really extensive, but um, journaling maybe for three or four minutes online, every person themselves, about what deep learning has happened during this previous circle, and then selectively sharing that on the chat box. So that's been a nice shift between the interaction and the internal reflection. Yeah, good. Um, Cheryl from Harmony Hill, one of our longtime uh, community colleagues that you've been doing cancer help programs for over 20 years. Um, what are you learning, uh, not just about your nursing work, but what are you bringing online and what are you learning from it? Thank you for giving me a chance to share what's going on with Harmony Hill. So of course, when COVID hit, we also uh, frantically moved everything online. And um, I'll start with talking about our, our offsite work. So in the past, we've been doing um, cancer support groups for two hospitals in the area where we actually go into the hospital uh, with our faculty and um, guide people through cancer support groups. And those moved virtual, and that was our first attempt, and we weren't really sure how it was going to go, but it's uh, gone beautifully. People are really uh, able to make that transition over. So that's one thing that we're doing. Um, the next is that we, uh, we realized that for the people who had been going through our cancer retreats, suddenly the circumstance of being isolated and having cancer was a whole new complexity. Um, and so for those who we, we tested out a, uh, a group, virtual group meeting with people who had just gone through one of our cancer retreats. And we met for four weeks and it was, it was good. It was supportive, but I would say the deep connection wasn't there like it had been when they had all been in the retreat. Um, but they've continued to stay in touch, even though we're not facilitating that anymore. So that was semi-successful, I'd say. Um, the next that I'll talk about is that our faculty is offering uh, ongoing healing circles called Grief, Grace, and Gratitude. And um, those seem to be well-received, and those are focused on healthcare professionals. So we do that for both healthcare professional groups and, not, and people who are not healthcare professionals. So we have two of those that are being offered. But the ones for the healthcare professionals seem to be popular and uh, people are responding to that. And then the other thing we did was, uh, there's a, a guy named Dyke Drummond, Dr. Dyke Drummond, who wrote a book on physician burnout and nurse burnout. And we brought him up to Harmony Hill and uh, interviewed him for hours and then we've edited the, the interviews down to uh, a presentation. So we'll do two days of uh, presentation from that video, a couple hours each. And he uh, talks about some of the different techniques that he's found over the years to deal with trauma, to deal with burnout. And he specifically gears it towards COVID. So he talks about how, you know, you walk in the door and suddenly there's chaos and how do you 
manage that in the moment and not get overwhelmed by it, not get burned out by it. So we have his uh, series coming up in at the end of June, and he'll be online himself to answer questions and have conversations with people about it. We'll start with the videos and then we'll go into conversations in a Q&A. So we're offering that for healthcare professionals. Any of the work that we're doing uh, for healthcare professionals right now or people with cancer is free. So uh, we do have a charge for people who aren't care- healthcare professionals, but for people who are, the, all, anything that we have online right now is free. That's great. We've gone to yoga classes online. Um, we've just got a lot of different activity going online. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, it's really helpful. I'm so glad you're with us today. Um, so I want to turn now a little bit in the uh, half hour we have left. Um, we, from what everyone has said, um, it seems to me there a few things are clear. One is that um, groups that were meeting before, that bonded before, have an easier time going deep. Um, and that isn't just groups that were connected in a single retreat. It's groups that feel a part of a community, that they've had an experience that bonds them together, even if they weren't on the same retreat. So the Cancer Help Program alumni is a really good example of that. But it's also true that um, those of us who have been engaged with Healing Circles work, with Healing Circles trainings, with Healing Circles Global, and that feel part of the extended uh, community of Commonweal, Callanish, Harmony Hill, Healing Circles Langley, Healing Circles Houston, and so on. Uh, we've met, we've had gatherings. So there's a sense of community that, uh, I mean, it's obviously it's very intense when people have been on the same retreat, but it's powerful, as we've seen, when people have um, feel a part of a valued community. And, uh, and that is invaluable. Um, I want to mention again this uh, organization called Service Space, which my friend Nipun Mehta, M-E-H-T-A, started. I think anybody can join it. I'm not sure. But um, Nipun is a kind of, some people think of him as a reincarnation of Gandhi. But he's a very interesting guy who had a prior life as a pretty high-level tech person in Silicon Valley. And then he started this organization called Service Space, which, you know, started Karma Kitchen, which gave away food to people and started sort of giving things forward. And so he developed a completely volunteer community that is global uh, of people who have a deep sense of shared values. It's also... um, it's also deeply uh, multi-ethnic and multicultural. So it has a very profound multi-ethnic, multicultural uh, Buddhist orientation, but people are proud to belong to it. And they have an online community uh, which you sign into, and then you can look and you can dive into different you know, uh, groups within that online community. And they have these calls, which I've done several of, called awaken calls, which are phone calls. 
or you know they're not video although they are also doing video now but uh, but they they've used the the awaken calls that i was on were just just phone you're listening to a tns conversation with michael lerner and friends and they were very powerful um and uh, some friends of mine who've been on some of their new video calls, just to give you an example. Um, yeah, great. Awakened Circle is one of the circle service space holds. Uh, show on, just put that on so you could go to that. So, um, for example, this is an example of how they're using the Zoom technology. First of all, they had a couple of speakers at the top and everybody else you couldn't see. Then at a certain point, they had everybody uh, on the whole call uh, come on as, as participants, but keep their screens dark. And so what my friend said to me is it was like being in a dark auditorium, auditorium but you could see everybody in the auditorium. And then they said to people, you know, uh, raise your hand or whatever if you want to ask a question. Then at the end, they brought in all the, the faces, right? And so at the end, you saw everybody. Um, so that to me, I think we still have a lot to learn about, at least that I do, being more skillful with what the Zoom technologies can do and learning more, you know, just how those things can go. So what I wanted to come to finally is we're trying to bring the Cancer Help Program online. So it's one thing to have great circles that are drop-in, but some people become regular or great circles that are regular, or a yoga class, or a Qigong class, or a grief class, or whatever it is, or something for nurses. But it's quite another to try to bring online uh, something like a full cancer health program experience, which we know won't be like a cancer health program. So the thing we really have not solved, and I've been wrestling with for months, is how to do that. So on the one hand, so I'll just give you the example. We have about 60 people on the waiting list for the Cancer Health Program. About um, uh, 15 of them are breast cancer patients. So I'm thinking, uh, start with 15 breast cancer patients. They all have the same cancer. They may be at different stages. you know, uh, we lose some things, but they're all women, and women tend to do this better than men do as a broad generalization. Um, start with that, and then the possibility of dividing them into two homerooms of eight apiece. Um, but then, even if you made those two assumptions, then the question is, So do you do something intensive where people are online for two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon? Or do you do something that people are online for, say, 90 minutes in the morning and that's it? Uh, Or uh, do you do it over an intensive week? Do you do it over a less intensive two weeks? Do you do it over three or four weeks? And, um, And to what degree should everybody sign up for everything? or 
if you have online community, what about, let's say you, you take on 15 people or even, but I think 15 is the largest number that you can kind of psychically handle as a group. Uh, does everybody have to show up for the same thing? Or if there's a subgroup of people working on grief, do they create a grief group? Or if there's a subgroup working on integrative therapies? So this is something I truly don't know how to do. And, um, and I just, um, not that we're going to solve it today, but I know that Harmony Hill and, uh, and Smith Center and Commonweal and Kalanush are all wrestling with this. Those are the people I know who are wrestling with it. And it's relevant to everybody because what it's really about, like it's, it, you know, you can do a yoga class or a Qigong class or a grief group or a poetry group, and those are freestanding and people can go to that particular activity. Uh, or, uh, but how do you create a communal experience of deep transformation that goes beyond those. So I really welcome thoughts about that. Claire Schneeberger is saying, in my world of e-learning, there's something we call a flip classroom. I recommend exploring this model. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's where you give people the homework at home. You don't do the didactic work. And then the flip is that when they get together, they're interacting. So that's a really useful thing. But anyway, I welcome from any of the panelists, uh, just uh, raise your hand or take yourself off mute and uh, we'll figure out how to do this together. And I welcome all of you who wanna type in messages too. Michael? Michael, this is, oh, sorry. Go ahead, uh, Julie. Thanks. Um, yeah, Michael, having been to the cancer health retreat, um, you know, there's um, so much that happens at the location, the interaction of the participants, the safety uh, that you have there. You're away from your family, you're away from the TV, you're away from all of that. So how to create that was my first thought. Does a person, how can a person do that in their home? I mean, there would have to be some preparation it, not just a Zoom, you know, like I'm Zooming here in the corner of a room in my home, but maybe a more private place for those people who do not live alone to make sure that they have a good setup so they can be as safe as possible where they are, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And, and that question of people who live with other people and how you find the, the privacy to do that is a big question. Uh, Jim, you had a comment? It's only to say that I'm wrestling with the same um, question, Michael, and um, it does seem to be true that through practice, 90 minutes is about, maybe 120 minutes is about the max for a Zoom session. The way that a, um, a Courage and Renewal retreat is set up there are about, as it turns out, there are about 10 of these sessions about that long. So in thinking about how to translate or transfer a circle of trust retreat virtually, I'm wrestling with, do you, 
because you want to keep a certain momentum and connection between the sessions. So I'm wrestling with, do you do, you know, um, one a day, one 90 minute session a day for two weeks, two a day for one week, which is what I'm probably going to try at the, at the initial, but I think very much I'm trying to, to learn um, what keeps momentum and what doesn't um, give people Zoom burn at the same time, because there does seem to be a limit to how many Zoom sessions you can do in a single day. Cheryl has a comment. Thank you, Jim. That's really helpful. Cheryl, you have a comment? Yeah, we converted our cancer retreats or attempted to convert our cancer retreats to an online version. And typically there are three-day retreats all day. So we ended up doing um, two 90-minute sessions a day for three days. And uh, part of the sessions would be an activity like yoga or um, the meditation. We kind of do half the day with that experiential part. And the other half of the day would be more working with our faculty and going deeply into more of the healing circle work. Um, what we found was that three days in a row is too much. Uh, but the 90 minutes in the morning, so 10.30 to, to noon and then, you know, 1 to 2.30, that seemed to be an okay period of time, but only sustainable for two days in a row, not three days. Right. Lisa, I wonder at Smith Center, uh, where are you in terms of your thinking about bringing your cancer ret retreats online? Michael, that's a great, we are wrestling with these same questions uh, right now about how we, we do retreats. And we are trying to think how we can do this virtually, um, if, if that's possible. So we're having some brainstorming and some meetings about this right now, because we know that we, the, the retreats are transformative and, we, and they're so critical and integral to the DNA of Smith Center, but how we do them in a way that, that what we are all talking about the integrity of this experience comes through virtually is something we're still wrestling with as well. A couple of our folks who are very immersed in the retreat experience have done some um, things that they were planning to do with in-person retreats personally that have, that went virtual. And so they're, they're going to be sharing back some of that experience with us. So we hope to learn from some of those experiences that they had, um, but we're right in the midst of all this. So I love hearing what everyone else is trying because we're in the same place, just trying to experiment and think through how much Zoom is too much exactly. I mean, I know myself personally, I'm getting Zoom burnout. And so I can't imagine um, what someone would feel like if we did long days of it. So these are important questions that we're all wrestling with. But I trust that this group, if no other, can find a way to do it. Well, thank you for that. Oh, Lisa, Kirsten, any reflections from you uh, since you're working so closely with the uh, Smith Center, the direction you might take there? Yeah, so I'm no longer on the retreat planning staff, right. so I have not been a part of those circles in planning those, mm -hmm. but um, translating it to, um, I'm working with Erin on our Young Adult Cancer Conference, and that was supposed to come up in September, and we're really talking about um, less is more, I think is the best message I could probably share with you on this. Like when we first began talking about the, the conference and all the breakout sessions and the lobby and the vendors, you know, who come from other companies and organizations, we were thinking like, oh, how do we do it all? And we realized that we really need to turn 
are thinking around and and less is more and focus on just offering a few things, but doing it really well and making sure that we're looking at not doing Zoom burnout, that we're exploring a variety of experiences. So you're not just sitting, sitting in a chair looking at the computer. Maybe there's some movement, maybe there's some singing, um, and then sharing resources um, you know, through sharing screen or, or sending info out before, during and after. But I think the, the key message I've taken out of our meetings about that is just less is, is more and not trying to duplicate exactly what you would have been doing in person. Thank you. Sure. Well, we have 15 minutes, 14 minutes left. And so what I'd really like to do is ask uh, each of the panelists for very succinct final thoughts uh, Lisa, I'll start with you again. Any very brief final thoughts? My, my very brief final thoughts are that we are, we are definitely, as we know, in uncharted territory. And I think providing whatever comfort and connection and community that we can, however we do that, is critically important. Um, I think we all crave it. I know I am. And I, I think that we just need to be thinking whatever we do is better than us doing nothing. And Absolutely. so I think... So I think the fact that we're all grappling and trying um, is, is amazing. And, um, and we just need to continue to share information and work together. And we're, we're going to get there. And we welcome your leadership at Smith Center. As you know, I co-founded it and was uh, CEO and then board chair for over 20 years. So um, we're so glad you're there. Well, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be there. Wonderful. Julie, uh, last reflections, brief last reflections. Um, that part of the cancer help program can be uh, yoga taped that can be done at the discretion of the participant, you know, directions to go take walks out in nature, other things can be can be left to them that doesn't have to be done on zoom. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Julie. Jim, last reflections. I I would think that we're all convinced, I think, that at this moment, sharing our work is more important than it's maybe ever been before. And so I hope we keep sharing what we are finding as we try to share this work. Thank you, Thank Jim, you. very much. Cheryl, last thoughts. Yeah, I think that the, this work is needed now more than ever, by far. And I'd say just take risks, innovate, you know, put it out there and then we'll see what works and what doesn't. But, you know, don't hesitate because it's not all figured out yet. Thank you. Kirsten, last thoughts. I echo what Cheryl said. I was definitely going to say something to that. Um, but I think that everybody that's on this call right now, um, our heart is really in this and, and we're motivated by service. And I, so I just encourage everyone to continue to follow your heart. And thank, thank you for you. letting me be here. Thank you. Thank you, Kirsten. Kathleen, last thoughts. For me, the, the core of being, having been in the Cancer Health Program myself 11 years ago, the core uh, healing aspect was the intimacy of the small circle of those eight participants that really went through this together and the bonding that happened, the, the, the juice was really there. 
And so as we've been talking today, I'm thinking what I what might work really well would be kind of on Julie's theme, a week of preparation so people could learn to walk with mindfulness, do yoga, do those kinds of things. The second week, maybe in third, how it spreads out, doing really intimate Zoom calls with groups and then having breaks where people continue a practice they've already started to develop so that they're away from the computer, but staying mindful uh, in staying in a, creating their own kind of retreat uh, might be a good blend. But the, the, the small group and the heart sharing of experience is really the central part for me of the healing. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. Helen, last thoughts. Yes, I think um, I think it's just a new territory of constantly learning and changing what is working. I think with every circle, there's something that comes up that I think um, I would like to implement in the next one, and especially in this one, um, so much to learn every time. So I think um, just being open to every opportunity we have to learn more about these um, and making our decisions as long as they change. I think every week I've adjusted the schedule and changed, you know, some key elements, but holding with what we know about the circle and carrying, um, you know, our, uh, the elements that we know work and heal. Thank you, Helen. Dimple, brief last thoughts. Yeah, I love the idea of, you know, looking out of the window of the, to the trees and to the, the outside world during the circle to take a minute of break. And also the virtual hug what being shared in the circle. So big virtual hug to everybody who is here and who is not here as well. Thank you. Thank you, Temple, so much. Um, Rob, last thoughts. Um, I remain personally deeply interested in all of the experiments trying to bring together people who have not experienced what circle work is into a circle. I'm interested in hearing from Susanna and from Kirsten and from anyone else who can talk about what works and what doesn't and how you begin to sort of teach the culture of, of circle work to people who haven't experienced it before. Um, other than that, I just say thank you, Michael. I hope we can continue the discussion. We will. Susanna, last thoughts. Yeah, I, I'm stuck on this question of how to bring the magic of the Cancer Help Program online. And curiously, my mind went to theater and what we could learn from theater, um, from good about having a good script, having good actors, having good directors. Um, theater and film have been able to create magical experiences. And what can we learn from them? That's beautiful, Susanna. Thank you. Well, I thank all of the panelists and everybody who is online. I just want to read a couple of things that touched me here. Um, this is from Angela Higgins. Greetings from Wicklow, Ireland. I came to the new school during my COVID-19 daily walks and am full of admiration for the care and respect emanating from the online sphere from you all. I have learned so much. This was very interesting. I think you can really help people heal too from their isolation over the next few months and years. And Julie Portelli wrote a lovely line from Diana Lindsay about how to do this work. 
which is start, listen, respond. And I love that because that's how I have always done things. I just, I'm crazy enough to start. And then I just let the universe show me what the thing really wants to be. And then I find people who are better than I am to take it over. So uh, <laughs> that's been my theory about it. Uh, and uh, Kira has uh, given you some upcoming events. Uh, man, for this group, BJ Miller, for those of you who don't know BJ, let me just tell you briefly, BJ is a uh, end of life doc. And when he was an undergraduate at Princeton, he and some friends climbed up on top of, he got drunk and they climbed on a trolley car. He was electrocuted and lost uh, both legs below the knee and one arm. And he became a Paralympic champion and a um, you know palliative care doc uh, who's written an amazing uh, book on end of life stuff. And he is just outrageously wonderful. Uh, he's a friend. Uh, we've done new school conversations with him before. Um, Catherine Fulton uh, is a board member of Commonweal. And this is a little different flavor for you all. She is somebody who has done very high level consulting work with uh, organizations and uh, corporations uh, looking at what the future is going to bring. She was the head of the Global Business Network. She is a deeply compassionate, amazing, wonderful person. So she's June 26th. Carl Safina is a world-class author of a new book called Becoming Wild. And he does just amazing work with animals and with the animal community. And that's July 3. And then Tom Yeomans on July 24 has a new book called Holy Fire, The Process of Soul Awakening. And he worked with uh, Rachel Naomi Remen and Lenore Leffer and others in the field called psychosynthesis, which is a great spiritual psychology. And he evolved that into uh, his own version of a spiritual psychology. Uh, so his book, Holy Fire, The Process of Soul Awakening, is what we'll be uh, talking about then. So uh, again, if you can, uh, uh, Kira's just put this up. If you haven't done so already and are able to just put the price of a Starbucks coffee into the learning community at the new school or whatever you can afford, uh, we operate on a homeopathic budget. And uh, we need to uh, support the amazing people who make this whole thing work. So if you can support us, we are very, very grateful. One thing I did wrong today, um, I did my, the silence before you were all online. And um, Kathleen, I'm going to ask you to unmute yourself. Uh, you've got a candle there and you have a bell. So if you would unmute yourself and... Uh, lead us in uh, two or three minutes of meditation at the end. That would be great here.
Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you to all of you on the panel who joined me. Dimple, thanks for staying up so late or being up so early. Um, Thank you. And um, my goodness, what a beautiful, fruitful conversation this has been. I promise you that we will continue it and continue to learn from each other. Um, this work is holy work. It's sacred work. And um, it's needed in the world right now, and we need to figure out how to do it as best we possibly can. So um, blessings to you all. We will circulate the uh, chat function to you all. And uh, please stay with us in the learning community. Every Friday morning at 9, we're doing something interesting. And it's virtually always worth being here. And so I hope you'll put it on your calendar and your schedule and at least check out whether what we're doing the next week uh, speaks to you. So may the universe and God or the divine bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and uh, be blessed. Love and prayers. Take care. You've been listening to a TNS conversation with Michael Lerner and friends. Thank you for listening to TNS, the new school at Commonweal. The new school at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Ciani. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo. Thanks for listening.